0: James Robertson, the pastor of the Bridge Church in New York City, said that we have crowded loneliness. We're around people, but no one is connected. A recent nationwide survey said that 43% of people feel isolated. 49%, they said they sometimes or always feel lonely. 47% said they don't have a meaningful fa- or they don't have meaningful face-to-face Interactions with others on a daily basis. These are frightening statistics. And these are people from around our nation who have answered in that way. Loneliness is heartbreaking. And loneliness, beyond breaking your emotional heart, is bad for your physical health as well. The solution is souls that are knitted together In real relationships. That's the solution to loneliness. But that sort of relationship takes time. It takes effort. It takes risk. It takes initiative. It takes a welcoming community. A church can be that place. A church should be that place. Christ followers can be those people. Christ followers should be those people. But why are so many people trading deep soul knitting relationships for surface level interactions that lead to feelings of isolation and loneliness? Researchers tell us there are three major factors, but you don't need to be a researcher to guess these three. The first one is busyness. We're just too busy doing our own thing to spend time getting to know people in a deep, meaningful way. The second one is individualism. We're so caught up in doing it our way that we don't take time to interact with others and have iron sharpening iron. And the third one, those ever-present glowing screens. These things that we say keep us connected together actually isolate us from real face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, life-on-life relationships. Pastor Steve Dighton, a friend of mine from Kansas, says the only commodity we have is relationships. How do we respond to that as a church? What do we do? We seek to connect people to God and we seek to talk about mental health and loneliness. We seek to connect to one another. We seek to do life together. We use phrases like I'll use a couple times today that Sunday morning is only the beginning of our relationships with one another. But we can't make people We can say things like we're better together, and we can say things like we belong together, and we can invite people into relationships, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. Our scripture of the month is from Romans 12.10, and let's say it together. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12.10. Pray with me. God, our Father, that's a short verse, but it's a tall order. To be devoted to one another in love. We might flinch when we think about what devotion means. To honor others above ourselves. Depending on who the other is, that one might challenge us even more so. But that's what your word says about who we are and what we are to do. So, Father... We pray that you speak to us now by your spirit, that we would hear from you on how you call us to love one another and to be in relationship with one another. We thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving us your spirit. And we thank you that through these you will speak to us today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So our church is in the middle of our Next Step sermon series. We've got our next steps on the wall out there. You've got them on your bulletin in front of you, and we're going to fill in some blanks right now. Our next steps are about clearly calling us to obedience, clearly calling Christ followers to obedience by asking the question, what's the next right step, and why take that step, and what difference does it make? Well, the first of our next steps is to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus literally means to get saved, to commit your life, To Jesus as your Savior and Lord. But there's a double entendre there, and that is that it's an ongoing process of following Jesus as a disciple, as a learner, an apprentice, a student in relationship with Jesus through the rest of your life, and that follows through the rest of these next steps. The second one is get baptized. Get baptized. In the last two Sundays before this, we had six uh, folks commit their life to Christ and symbolize that through believer's baptism. They were already believers and they got baptized and it was a joy to do that. We symbolize our old life being dead and rising in a new life in Christ through believer's baptism by immersion. The third next step is to invite others. This is the one that I said to you last week and I believe is most missing from who we are. And it's about inviting others into relationship with us, inviting others to consider a personal relationship with Jesus, inviting others to church so that they might get to know Jesus. The fourth one we talk about today, and that's belong together. Christ's followers are made for one another. We're made to be in relationship with one another. And our easiest vehicle for that is what happens at our 11 o'clock hour, and that's Sunday school. We do have one class at 8 a.m., and we have another one on Monday evening. You might have seen the Monday school t-shirts emblazoned on some of our 20-somethings today. The fifth next step is begin giving. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. We should be known for our generosity and our giving. It should be a hallmark of our faith as Christ followers. The sixth next step is start serving. Two weeks from today... We'll talk about that one. We're going to have Pastor Tom from the People City Mission here. We're going to have some other representatives from outside agencies here to talk to us about how we might serve outside of our church. And we're going to have an opportunity for you to say, here's how I could consider serving inside our church as well, two weeks from today. And the final one is disciple others. Disciple others is about Christ followers helping others to follow Christ, to lead as they've been led. We'll learn more about that in a few weeks. But today we belong together and we'll look at two passages of Scripture. One, Jesus' prayer for us about belonging together. And then two, Paul's teaching uh, about us belonging together. And in the middle, we're going to have some guests join me on stage to help give you a reason to understand why you might belong together as well. So if you haven't already, open your Bibles to John chapter 17, because that's where we're going next. John chapter 17, and our first major point on our outline today is that Jesus prays for our togetherness. John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer for our togetherness. Now, in John 17, Jesus is nearing the cross, And he is in prayer, and he prays first for himself in verses 1 through 5, then for his disciples at that time in verses 6 through 19. But then the prayer in verse 20 through 26 prays for all believers yet to come. That includes us. Listen to what Jesus says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. And have loved them even as you have loved me. Verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory and the glory you have given me. Because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father. Though the world does not know you. I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. And will continue to make you known. In order that the love you have for me. May be in them. And that I myself may be in them. An amazing prayer Jesus offers for us. A few things we might learn from it. The first sub point there. Is that our unity leads others to believe in Jesus. Our unity leads others to believe in Jesus. Now, it's right there in the Scripture, I think. We can say so. That's why I wrote it down on your outline that our unity leads others to believe in Jesus. Look at what it says. My prayer is not for them alone, so he says, but those that will hear the message through me. Verse 21. That all of them may be one, so that all believers may be one. No matter what denomination no matter what nation, no matter what language, no matter what people, that all believers may be one. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be divided up into groups. I mean, I know we'd like to think that the Baptists will have a special room for fellowships with casserole dishes and everything, and that the Church of Christ folks will be segregated and they won't have music in their uh, singing or anything like that. But no, we're all going to be there together from every tribe and every tongue. Every nation will all be together. What does Jesus say? That they may all be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, did you hear that? Jesus prays that we would be in relationship with Him and with God the Father, and that because we're in relationship with Him and with God the Father, that would be our unity. It would not be the man-made things that divide us of theology, of nation, of tribe, or of tongue, but that our unity would be in the fact that we believe Jesus is the one and only Son of God, Sent to earth to save humanity from our sins. And did you catch the so that? You know I love the so that. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our unity leads others to believe in Jesus. Unfortunately, so much of the time, it is our disunity and our disagreement and are disparaging one another as different Christian denominations and different nations and different tribes and people that causes the world to say, I don't want anything to do with Christians if that is what a Christian is like. But what does Jesus tell us? He says that our unity should draw people to believe in Him because people are smart enough to go, man, those folks are different, yet they love each other. Those folks come from Different worlds, different places, yet they love each other. You know, in our pews today, we have Republicans, we have Democrats, we have Independents, and we even have some Libertarians, amen? We have maybe even some Socialists here, and that's okay. If you're here because you believe in Jesus, I don't care what your politics is. Jesus is what draws us together Colossians 315 tells us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, since as members of one body, we are called to peace. Just a reminder for us when we think about unity, that we only get unity when we have peace through Christ. Let's move on to your next point there, is that our unity gives glory to God. Our unity gives glory to God. That's in verses 22 and 24. Verse 22 says, I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. That's interesting. Jesus says that the glory that God gave him, he's given to us in order that that glory might make us one. What in the world? Okay, what did he say first? That because we were in him... Others would believe in him. And now he's saying, because we have God's glory, they may be one as we are one. Huh. That God's glory in us unifies us. When we see God do something in each other's lives, then it helps break down the barriers. It's not about your different race. It's not about your different politics. It's not about your differences of theology. It becomes about the glory of God. The glory of God outstrips all the isms of this world because God is that sovereign and that holy. Look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Jesus says he wants us to see, to experience that Greek word see. There is one for to see and to understand, to fully comprehend his glory. So there's something unique about the way that Jesus prays for us here, that we would belong to him and our belonging filled up with his glory would be a witness to others and draw others to him. Romans 15 verse 5 and 6 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together with you, that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus so fills us that we would be in harmony, in unity, and sing in one voice. One thing I so love about sitting down front on a Sunday morning is that I hear the rest of you singing and your voice is coming past my voice as we lift up our voices in praise. And yeah, you can and should sing on your own anytime you want. But singing together as a group, a body of believers, there's something special there as we worship and give glory to God. God intends that. Let's move on to your third point here on John 17. Your third point is that our unity shows God's love to everyone. Our unity shows God's love to everyone. Now, that was hinted at in the other verses we looked at, but go back to verse 23. Jesus says, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity. Hey, that's kind of a rhyme. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus says that when we have unity, the world sees that God loves us because he gives us the unity. Worldly people are smart enough to know that unity doesn't just happen, that unity is for a purpose and that there's agreement. And what is our agreement? Our agreement is Jesus. And it's in Jesus that we seek to shine his glory onto others. And because he is one in God, we are one with others. That we belong together. Scott Saul says that membership in a local church means joining your imperfect self to many other imperfect selves to form an imperfect community that through Jesus embarks on a journey toward a better future together. That's who we are. We're a bunch of sinners who are saved by Jesus, seeking to follow Jesus day by day, and it's in relationship with one another that we show His glory. It's in relationship with one another that we cause others to believe. It's in relationship with one another that the world knows God loves them. God loves us and He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for us that we might show His glory. You've got a question there, and that's why does God call us together? Why does God call us together? Well, look at your answers above. But you might write it in some other ways, that he knows we need each other. He made us for one another, just as he is three in one. He made us to be unified. He made us for relationships. And at our church, intentional relationships is one of our values. Even though we don't do it as well as we should. Belonging to the church family is one thing. Belonging and attending regularly to a Sunday school class or a small group is another thing. Where you are known and get to be known. uh, Know others. And Sunday morning is just the start. Now we've got to come back to God's word though. And coming back to God's word, Ephesians chapter 2. So you're in John chapter 17. I want to direct your attention back to Ephesians chapter 2. So in your Bible, back to the rights to Ephesians chapter 2. Written at a different time, Jesus was praying for his disciples to come, us, but Paul is writing to a church, the church at Ephesus, and he's talking to them about how God intends their togetherness to be a witness and how he intends that to work. And that's in verse 19 through 22, the end of the chapter. Listen to what he says there. God put us together in Jesus, is your first blanks to fill in there. That God put us together in Jesus. Verse 19 and 20 tell us that. That we're not foreigners, we're not aliens, we're fellow citizens. We're with God's people, we're members of God's household. That we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone that God made us into a place for His Spirit to dwell and He put us together in Jesus. So I know when you come to a church, particularly if you're somebody that's here today as a guest or you haven't yet joined our church and you're checking us out, whether it's your first Sunday or you've been here for months, you've got things in your mind that you're looking for, that you're hoping to see that would meet the needs of your family and your situation in life. But I also pray That you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That you see that God is fitting you together with our church, or He's not. And even though you might say, well, this is great about Southview, it must be another place He's calling us to. That your time here would best equip you to find the place where God has called you to belong to a local church family. Your next point there that says that God put us together for Jesus That's in verse 21. It says, in him, that's Jesus. The whole building is joined together and rises to a holy temple in the Lord. Our purpose is for Jesus, not for ourselves. So we're together in Jesus, but we're also together for Jesus. To demonstrate his love to the world as we heard in Jesus' prayer for us just a few moments ago. Your third point. Is that God put us together for the Holy Spirit as well? That's that last verse, verse 22. And in Him, Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Now, this is interesting. Pneumatology is the fancy word for the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And most often we think about the Holy Spirit indwelling individual believers in Jesus. He is a guarantee, a deposit of our salvation. How do we know someone is saved? We see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in their life. But what does this passage of Scripture teach us to add to our doctrine of the Holy Spirit, our pneumatology, is that when we as a body of believers are together, we are built together as a church family in order that the Holy Spirit might inhabit us as a group. Why would that be? Well, maybe there's one Sunday when Bob comes to church, and I'm picking on Bob because I love him, and he's not feeling the Holy Spirit. There's something in his life that separated him from Christ. But because of your witness to him through your singing, and the way you talk to him, and the way you're praying for others in this church, and the way the Holy Spirit is coming through your spirit, Bob's spirit is touched and changed just by his presence in these pews on a Sunday morning. The same thing can happen and should happen in Sunday school, whether it's down there or down there in somebody's house in a small group, that when you come together as a body, the Spirit testifies to the Spirit, and someone who is down is brought up, and someone who needs filling is filled, because as a group, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. You've got a question there to apply, and that question is, what are the benefits of belonging together What are the benefits of belonging together? Well, God put us together in Jesus, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within us. And your final question concluding our sermon today. Is what should I do to better belong to Jesus? What should I do to better belong to Jesus? You might say, I need to commit and join this church. You might say, I need to commit and at least... Try out some Sunday school classes. I'm not sure which one I want to join yet. Maybe you've been trying out the church and a Sunday school class for a while. You just need to join. Maybe you need to commit and seek someone to go deeper in a small group or in a one-on-one relationship. Maybe you need to simply share life together with somebody. That phrase that Sunday morning is just the beginning. You say, yeah, I come to church and I know these people, but it's kind of, I'm fine, how are you? I need to ask somebody to lunch. I need to ask somebody to my house. I need to get to know people deeper and be known deeper. All of us have a different answer to that, to do better at belonging together. But that is your invitation today. You can start today. This morning, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. We do that as a body of believers. And this is a great time for you to make a commitment to Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you this morning, with so many thoughts and ideas on our mind, not just that today's a Super Bowl and what we're going to eat at the party or what the commercials will be funny or anything like that, but so much more important, the thoughts of who Jesus is and who he's called us to be and how he's called us together. So, Father, as we seek to better belong together, would we be obedient to your word? However it is you call us. The person here that needs to trust Jesus as their savior, would they do that today? The person here who needs to join this church, would they do that today? The person here who needs to say, yeah, I need to stick around and go to Sunday school or get to one of those small groups, would they do that today? We surrender these things to you in Jesus' name.